0: The Gospel according to Luke, and we're going to look at chapter two, but you're going to help me read this responsively. I I saved, uh, well, I shaved off that reading so that we could do it together Uh, here. Thanks for uh, dealing with me there on that, Cody. (laughs) And I noticed that you had the uh, Nicene Cream memorized, and I remembered uh, your Catholic background, and I I envied you for the moment. So um, I uh, wish I had that memorized. I do not. In fact, so join with me. This is the RSV translation. So uh, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And again, I should probably say something right before this happens. They're there for the purification of Mary. Okay, so they've come to the temple. This is this is going to be Jesus. Uh, by the way, Bob, we're are we good? We're live, right? Okay, good. Um, so here's the thing: Jesus is this is first time in the temple. All right. Now it's 40 days, the, the time of purification would have been 40 days after Christmas, right after the birth of Jesus Christ. And so she, Mary, is presenting herself for purification. That would have taken a sacrifice, but also, there's a double thing going, they're also presenting Jesus for redemption because he was, remember, the firstborn. And so the law required that the firstborn, whoever is first to open up the, the womb of woman, uh, would be dedicated to God... Well, of course, everybody couldn't, you know, then serve in the, in the temple. So what they started doing was you would, you would make a, according to the law again, would make a sacrifice and they brought two uh, doves, well, pigeons, turtle doves, uh, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons, which meant that they were poor because that was, that was the poor route, right? There was, there was several different levels of, of, uh, of sacrifice. And so they're here for that, for really two reasons, the purification of Mary and the presentation of Jesus Christ in the temple. Now. Now watch what happens here. So, so there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. Notice that language. And, and this is Luke's language particularly in his gospel. ...it had been revealed to him... ...notice again... ...by the Holy Spirit... ...that he would not see death... ...before he had seen the Lord's Messiah... ...or the Lord's Christ... ...guided by the Spirit... ...again, boom... ...guided by the Spirit... ...Simeon came into the temple... ...and when the parents brought in the child Jesus... ...to do for him what was customary under the law... ...Simeon took him in his arms... And praised God, and joined me, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother, that is Joseph and Mary, were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary. Notice particularly what he says to her. This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Now, O Lord, may your word truly be a two-edged sword piercing through all the junk in our life, through the barriers, through the walls, to our heart. We pray this in your name and by the power of the Spirit. Amen. Look, I, um, I watch TV and I watch some movies and stuff, and, and one of those movies remind actually, when I read this this week, I was reminded of a few different kind of shows and movies that I've seen. One, did you catch it? Maybe, maybe you had the same thought, right? Simeon and you know, and then the raising up of a Baby." Anybody with me yet? I know it's not Simeon, but right?' Simba, raise, oh, it's you know, that whole scene, right? Like, why does that, why does that strike us, that image of, you know, holding a, because in reality it happened. <laughs> That's why. Any story, we, we've talked about this before, any story that strikes at reality, that bumps into reality, hits us hard. And when we, when we see that scene of little Simba, who, who's supposed to, you know, bring the whole world together, right? All these factions out there, this baby, again, salvation in a baby, and then, I, and then of course, I, I thought about this show I used to watch, uh, The Walking Dead. Right, it's an apocalyptic show. Like everybody's dying, and the dead are walking around, and it's just it's the end of the world. And they have a baby, and they're and they're all the show turns to where they're all worried about this this baby. And it's like, you know, wh- why is that? Well, again, again, <laughs> there's something mysterious, isn't it, that's happening here in our story? A baby has come to the temple, and we should take note. Today's gospel lesson tells us, take note, friend, something mysterious, something powerful is happening, something unexpected. Of course, you know, one of the things we can take uh, is is the fact that babies always surprise us, right? At least they do me, you know? I remember waking up in the night and, you know, I was a new dad, Jackson had been born and it was just Jessica and I, I you know, we have... Five kids, if you don't know, so we have a pretty lively house most of the time. And, uh, but, but this was just us back in Mississippi, still in seminary. And, I, you know, I was going to do the, the nice husband, new fatherly thing to do, which is get up with the baby, change his diaper, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And so Jessica had kind of woken up, and I think she was nervous about me doing this. Um, and if you know our relationship, you probably know why. But, and so I, I laid, laid old boy on the table, and I was trying to, you know, I was trying to find her. it was dark, you know, and and I'm I'm changing, and I got his diaper off. So then I'm like looking for the other one. And I've never done this before. You know, I don't really just go around holding babies. She always has in her life, like even as a child. And you know, I have my own daughters holding babies now. And you know, the boys don't do it. I don't do it. So it was all new to me, right? And so all of a sudden, though, something starts hitting me. Just hitting me. Just is hitting me. and I'm like, ah, ah, you know. And in the middle of the night, and I'm fighting it off. And of course, you know, he he was he was doing his thing, right? When you open up a diaper on a boy, that's it's one of the things that happens that no one told me about. And so I'm yelling, and I got my hand on him, but I'm just really fighting off whatever this is, and she comes running in to save the day. Uh, and, you know, it's just one of those things where, where we laugh about it then. I was actually really scared, you know? Um, and it was very surprising. And babies have a way of doing this to us, don't they? Yeah. They surprise us. They're mysterious. They're, they're beautiful, and yet a terror, right? Any parents out there? Thank you, <laughs> glad I'm not the only one. And here, in the temple of God, comes a baby. Now we really need to rewind for just a moment, because you really don't get the full impact of what's going on just in what's here in, in Luke's account. And, and it is fascinating that, that Luke, the gospel writer Luke, he's the one who tells us this story. Now remember, he's a Gentile, Right? So, so this would have been new to him. They didn't have any kind. You know, the pagans didn't. The Romans they didn't have any kind of purification after forty days and presenting the the firstborn. You know, none, this was all from Yahweh. This was all from revelation. So, so when Luke converts, this is new to him. So when he writes his gospel, he's like, "Hey, we got to include this story here of the presentation of Jesus in the temple and the purification of Mary." Well, he does, but we need some backstory, don't we? Like, what's what? If Jesus is presented to, that's not a big of a deal. God's already in the temple, right? Wrong. Is it wrong? I thought that's where God was in His temple, right? Well, our <laughs> you may not have caught it because you read it so fast, but our our Malachi reading, our Malachi reading, tells us this. Thus says the Lord: See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple? I thought he was already in his temple. Well, we have to rewind a little bit further than Malachi. Remember, Malachi is around 430 B.C. He's one of the last prophets, which is why, in fact, he is the last of the minor prophets called the 12, right? Because there's 12 minor prophets. And then you you go from uh, Malachi over to Matthew, and there's 400 years that expires. Just like that in the turn of a page. But if we rewind back to Ezekiel, if we rewind back, really, all the way to Genesis. The garden is a type of temple garden. It is a meeting place with God. And they are, remember, in chapter 3, I say they, but we are forbidden to enter Eden. The very place where we were supposed to meet God. Now we're forbidden. And, and, and nonetheless, who guards the way to the presence of God? Eden, but two cherubim, right? Right? Two cherubim. And then, later, as we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, then Moses. Right? Because, again, you have Joseph's story, Genesis. And at the end of Genesis, you turn from Genesis to Exodus. 400 years is gone, just like that. You get this great towering figure, Moses. Well, then you get the law. Then you get the sacrifices. You get the temple and how to do it. And, or, actually, you get the, the, uh, the tabernacle. The temple will actually be built by Solomon, David's son, right? And when all this happens... But what, you remember what happened at the table? I mean, at the, uh, the, uh, the Holy of Holies, right? You had, the, you had the holy place, and then you had the Holy of Holies, which no one could come in. It had a veil over it. And then there was the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was what? Two cherubim. What are they doing? Yeah, which your angels. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. We're on the same page here. They were guarding again. ...and representative of Eden, of the presence of God, of the temple, you see. And so, God gives us these signs, these symbols, which, which, is, which is normal, isn't it? Like in Christianity, He always is giving us signs and, and symbols, isn't He? Absolutely He is. You see, this is not some kind of mental religion. It's not an individualistic religion. It's not a religion based on reason or knowledge but rather the presence of God Himself, who became flesh and dwelt among us. No, we are both physical and spiritual beings. As humans, we have a unique place between heaven and earth. You could say, for us, we're hanging between heaven and earth, filled with both heaven and earth. Well, interestingly, in Ezekiel... You've come down and there's been a lot of sinning and we've gone through a lot of history here that we won't recount now. But what ends up happening is Ezekiel sees a vision in 10 and 11. If you remember what happens, the Spirit moves from the Holy of Holies out to the threshold, the front door. And then from the threshold to Mount Gilboa, which is a mountain near there, and then from the mountain, flies away. Ichabod. Which is this: the presence has gone. The glory is gone. And God's glory left the temple. Then of course, as you know, Nebuchadnezzar came in and came in and raised the temple, not up, <laughs> RAZ. He burned it to the ground. He burned it to the ground. The presence had gone. Now Malachi, they have a little temple. They built it back. But you remember what happened. Some of the people who had seen the glory of the Solomonic temple wept at the dedication. And that would be, you know, dedicating a new building for the church and everybody's out. Half of them are weeping and half of them are celebrating. That'd be something, wouldn't it? But nobody really believes that the Shekinah glory of God has returned. No, that's going to have to wait, Malachi says. But he will come. And, 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 you know, in the scripture, there's always this, he has come, and he will come. And Malachi says, yeah, there's coming a day. But then notice what Malachi says, but who can endure it? That's the part you had in your response of reading. But who can endure it? Like if God comes, if his Shekinah glory comes, who in the world could endure that? When he appears, who could stand? Well, no one, for he's like a refiner's fire, purifying the basest metals. He's like Fuller's soap, which we don't, you know, you ever met a Fuller? My wife probably could be deemed as one. She washes clothes all the time. Um, But they would have been outside the city washing stuff and it stunk. The stuff they had to use to wash things stunk. Nobody wanted to be around that. You see, purification is kind of a smelly, terrible, sort of burning thing in our life. But oh God, how we need it. Oh God, how we need His cleansing fire in our lives. Friends, not just in our actions. In our nature. Old Testament would insert there, because nature is kind of a philosophical term, heart. You know, in the Old Testament, it's funny in the Hebrew, it says when, it, when it's talking about like when you love somebody, it says you love them with your kidneys, you know, because your kidneys are like right down here, and that's where it's like when you see me like, ooh, get those butterflies, or when you're nervous, it kind of gets going down here, and you're not up here, not up here for sure, you don't have, anybody ever had a tingling feeling in their head? Might need to go get that checked out, you know. Now, it happens down here. And so, so the Hebrews were just real literal and said, no, it happens in your kidneys. I can love God with all my kidneys. But the idea is heart for the Old Testament is the control center. You see, kidneys are feelings. That's when you get the weeby-jeebies or you get, you know, butterflies or, ooh, I'm so glad to see you, you know, that kind of thing. But the heart goes beyond the feelings. The heart is the control center. That's why in the Shema again, Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Yeah, your heart. Not the palpitating organ, but the control center of who you are as a person. Not just your actions. Your actions, when traced back, go back to a root, which is your nature. It's who you are, your heart. And what what does Jeremiah tell us? Another prophet in the Old Testament, your heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Well, then we have good news. Thanks be to God. He can know it. God can know our heart, and he does know our heart. And he can help us know our heart. Now, just be honest with you. There's some nasty, nasty things that have come out of my heart. They may not have ever made it to action, friend. You say, oh, well, that's good. Then you're a good person if it never made it. Listen, not according to the Bible, friend. Can I say that one more time? Not according to the Bible. For Jesus says, even your thoughts, even your intentions matter to Him. You see, we think we're getting off the hook in the New Testament. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, now the law is done, and now it's all about grace. Well, friend, you've misread the Bible. You see, the only thing that changes law wise from Old Testament to New Testament is location goes from tablets of stone to the heart the prophets say for he wants to write it the law that is his instructions on our hearts and Jesus says out of the heart all kind of things flow isn't it God help us to be purified by this messenger's fire then he's like, then Judah and Jerusalem, then it'll be pleasing to God. You see, then it will be pleasing to God. Notice, they're still offering the sacrifice, right? They're offering the sacrifice and it's disgusting to God. He says it makes him want to vomit. But then when the heart is purified and you offer the same thing, he says, this is pleasing to me. He cares about your heart. See, we always want to just deal with the actions, don't we? Because that's something we can deal with, isn't it? You see what I mean? It's a, it, like, I can, yeah, I mean, Justin, help me, help me, you know, really I need to go to the gym, man, every day at this time. Like, help me be accountable to that. I can change that. But friend, you cannot change your heart. You can't. I can't. It's even deceiving to me. But God can. (laughs) And thanks be to God that he can. And that's good news. And this baby... This baby that comes in. I mean, after you read Malachi, you're thinking... I mean, I'm thinking like somebody like the Hulk's going to come in the the temple. You know what I mean? With a big brand of fire in one hand. And he's got a scrub brush in the other. And he's like, all right, lay down and let's get this done, buddy. No, instead what happens is a baby shows up in the temple. And Simeon, an old man. (laughs) This is crazy. An old man. Get this. Old man from the Old Testament... Is now meeting a new baby, who is the New Testament. Woo! There's an explosion of grace. There's an explosion of the gospel, which is why you're sitting here today. And Simeon takes him in those old hands. This fresh new baby. You know how baby skin is. It's just nothing like that. He raises him up and he recognizes that this is the one who was prophesied as the glory of God. The weight of God's presence. You know, glory means weight. <laughs> Again, in the Hebrew, it's just literal, right? So it's like his presence is weighty. And here's a baby. And that's the glory of God. I, no one else caught it. You, I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole point of this story. None of, the, none of the religious people caught it. Here's a baby that slips into the world. And he is the weight of glory. He is the Shekinah glory of Yahweh himself. <laughs> and he's being presented for redemption. Think about this. You were to redeem the firstborn. You've read the law before, maybe. Maybe you forgot that part, but that's what it says in Leviticus. You're redeeming the firstborn. Here's the Redeemer himself... Being redeemed by God. Here's the lamb himself being offered up to God. I mean, the theological import of this is unbelievable and everlasting and too long for a sermon. So don't worry. Take a deep breath. I'm not going to go the places I want to (laughs) go. The presence has returned. But get this. Not any longer, the New Testament tells us, to a physical location. Unless you consider the heart the physical location in you. For we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just like that baby slipping in below the radar. I mean, nobody, nobody really is worried about a baby <laughs> I mean, it's like, what's a baby gonna do, you know? He's gonna change the world. He's gonna change Marshall Dagg's life. And maybe, maybe in your own life, you've discounted the presence of God, and he's been trying to slip under the radar. We think he's gonna come like this, and he just, here's the thing I've learned about God he always likes surprises. I mean, he really does. anybody anybody recognize this in their life? Like you, you're like, oh yeah, God. Here's what I need you to do, and here, you know, here, here's if you'll come in this way and swoop in and bust that guy in the head, you know, then we'll be good. And he never does that. He likes us to look back and say, look at there, it was God all along. I thought I was seeking God, and when in fact God was seeking me. And that's what we find, friend, when we meet this child, when we meet. God, is. we thought the whole time we were doing it, we thought the whole time we were climbing Jacob's ladder, that staircase, but just like him the next morning, we wake up and say, oh, my Lord, I am in the presence of God himself. This is the very Bethel house of God. That's what that means. It's the very house of God, and I didn't even know it. Maybe God's presence has left your life at some point just like it did the temple. Friend, your story's not over. You're here today in the very presence of the one who came that day and was presented to us all. That day where he joined both Old and New Testaments together, an old couple, Simeon and Anna, to a young couple, Mary and Joseph, where he literally split time to where your birthday is dated to him. Friend, that one is here today. You say, well, I don't know. I I thought it would be like this. He always likes to slide under the radar. He always likes to keep us guessing. He always likes to surprise us. Like little children, right? We like to do this with little kids, don't you? You could give them something, but you find a way to surprise them. And then when their, their face lights up, there's just this warmth in you, right? It's like, oh. You know, I just think of my little Blakely. God loves to see your face light up. He loves to see you be amazed at his presence. And some of you, it's been a long time. You need to become like little children today. Not an old, tired, cold heart, but a new heart. heart of flesh and not of stone, the prophets say. That's what he can do today. That's what he came to do. And he can do it in this temple right here. For some of us, we need that burning fire to purify us. Those base passions, those base thoughts and attitudes, we need to be scrubbed. And it's not fun. But the result is beauty. He knows who you are. And He knows what He made you to become. And friend, this world, this world wants to chip things off of us, beat us up, crumble our hearts. But we have a master artist who like Michelangelo they asked him one time you know they said how do you do these sculptures and all you know just take a rock and then he said I just keep chipping away until it becomes what I had in my mind I just see that's that's us and the lord the lord in all of his wisdom chips away until there's the you that he created you to be He knows, not me. That's that's the crazy thing here is we all you know we immediately go to the me that I created in my head, where I'm the superstar and everybody likes me and and I'm cool. Whatever it is for you, that's just mine. (laughs) No, no. I will lay that all down for my master, for the Lord, for his presence. Because it's not the things that give him while I'm in this. I'm in this for him. Praise God. I want Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Friend, I want to invite you. <laughs> I think his fire is burning today. Mm-hmm. I think his spirit is here. Is. And if you would but reach out. Even the, the bleakest cry from the inner part of our heart. Just a little seed of faith. I think he would meet you in some surprising ways today, yes. this week, for the rest of your life. Yes. Lord Jesus, would you purify us to present us as your bride. Holiness unto the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.